listeners, welcome once again to the British Empire podcast, the podcast where we analyse and chat about the famous Whitby Leisure Centre and anal boss Gordon Brittus, who means well but always brings chaos into the staff and his long-suffering wife Helen. The best way, obviously, to enjoy the podcast is to watch the episode we're discussing first. And as always, my co-host is JD Collins. John, how are you doing today, John? You all right? Yeah, really well. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. I'm excited to be doing another episode one that actually links to my other podcast sitcom 2.4 children which i'm really excited to see the comparisons later yes i think i know what you're going to say about that so i look forward to coming on to that and have you, have you watched anything interesting this week over the past week since we last chatted spoke not really no uh it's, it's been a bit of a quieter week mainly watched a couple of films i watched the proposal with sandra bullock and ryan reynolds which right, i haven't yeah. seen in many years that's what about um She's his boss. She's Canadian. He's American. They they work in New York. She's on a, a visa and she's about to lose it. So she agrees to or suggests that they marry uh, in order to get a green card. It's quite easy watching. It's a Disney Plus film. Uh, it's, on, it's on Disney Plus, sorry. It's from about yeah. 2009. I'd recommend it if you like a good kind of rom-com. But what I have watched as well this week, um, not a comedy, but we have been watching Mr. Bates versus the Post Office about the post office horizon scandal which is absolutely jaw-dropping yeah it's it's horrifying everyone's talking about this at the moment this post office scandal where wasn't there some kind of computer error and it it made look like they've committed fraud the post office workers but in fact you know they hadn't committed any fraud whatsoever is that what it was about yeah so what they do with post office workers that at the end they have to give their the amount that they've taken in a day and it all has to like match with what's in the till and what's on the system and what they were finding was there was like my uh, you know losing certain amount a day some people lose like what some people's left lost a thousand pound or some were going up to about ten thousand in some cases it was just continuous and continuous and it was a system error but by law and their contracts, the post office workers have to, or the sub postmaster who runs the post office, has to pay it out of their pocket if there's any um, shortfalls. So how it worked was they were saying it's a horizon system. This post office was saying, no, it's not. It's um, it's a system. It's, 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 we've never had anyone else say this is a problem when actually it was like 700 people, as it's we've since learned. And so people literally were bankrupt, had to remortgage their homes. Some went to prison. Some lost, some committed suicide, some had health problems because of all the stress. While the post office, as it's been discovered recently, knew the horizon system was faulty, but still blamed the sub postmasters. It, it's, it's inhuman. It's corrupt and evil, actually. I, I couldn't believe. You think you can't quite believe the depths of and how awful humanity can be, but my God, this is really showing yeah. these poor people. I suppose it's like the little man versus the big guys, the big corporate company sort of thing. Is that what it's about? 100%. 100%. And the fact yeah. that it's the post office. I mean, you know, I know people who would want to uh, boycott Amazon. I personally want to boycott the post office. I won't. I can't. You know, all I know. The deliveries. But but seriously, it, I, I think what they've done is, is it, I mean, people are calling them mis- the biggest miscarriage of justice ever and i think it's it probably is it's not a scandal i think it's on another level it's it scandals too small a word for it it's, it's, it's hideous it's always shocking something like that because like the post office is like the place where you trust it's the the company that everyone knows it's the name and logo everyone recognizes so the fact it makes it all the more shocking doesn't it what's the name of that drama on IT- it's on itvx isn't it is that right it isn't it is indeed it's called mr bates versus the post office and then there's just four episodes of the drama and then they did a um a documentary on itv uh about the real people but then panorama actually did a documentary out two years ago uh which is on bbc iplay which i actually thought was better than the itv documentary because i think it went into a lot of depth about certain elements and actually this was known quite seriously two years ago and yet weirdly it's taken a drama to um yeah. to bring it to the the the, the forefront of discussion shocking yeah. stuff well, well, it, <laughs> me i've been watching um distraction um which was a a show hosted by jimmy carr in around 2003 i'm watching it on channel four on demand yeah and yeah, it's basically just where they have to buzz, but they have to buzz by doing something really painful. So if they know the answer to the question, it's something like they have to put a maggot in the mouth or they get electrocuted if they want to answer. And it gets more and more and it gets more and more extreme. So there's one there was, there was one where 
they had to all sit on the toilet, basically. And obviously the bits are covered up and then they would have to wee if they wanted to answer a question. So it is quite... <laughs> Sounds like early notice channel format. Really does. It just shows you how much TV's changed, I think, from then to now. Because, like, I was watching Jimmy Carr's latest show. I literally... It was called I Literally Just Told You, where they kind of... They have a, oh, yeah. They have a chat or something and then they'll ask questions about what they've talked about and they kind of... You, you hear the answers before the questions sort of thing. And I watched that and I watched Distraction and I just realised how tame it was in comparison. And just how like tv's changed i mean because he was using things in distraction like words like retard and things and i'm thinking if he used the word retard now he'd be in trouble <laughs> oh gosh i mean yeah it, it, it just shows in 20 years how how far we've come it's, on it's so in, many things it's, it's incredible and then jimmy carl would make jokes about threesomes and stuff uh, without the female contestants and again pretty funny and things but you just wouldn't get away with it now, would you? It's like one of them where you can just see how much, again, 2003 feels like an absolute lifetime away in terms of what was on telly compared to now. Everything's changed so much, hasn't it? It has, but I also think as well that, that I'd say the biggest change in and jump is the 90s to the 2000s. Obviously, you had the change mm -hmm. of the the, the, the foot, the, the film look. So obviously with Britters, it's a 4.3 ratio and then everything became digital by the end of the decade. And, and so you're comparing a sitcom from... 1993 to 2003 it looks like a different world and yet it's only 10 years whereas actually we're looking at things you know 20 years since the 2000s and in some ways things have changed culturally but the look of tv is is yeah. similar ish to a certain extent um but also but it's mainly changed because of the streaming and stuff so it just goes to show in 30 yeah. years how much we've just evolved yeah. but in a way i think we've said this obviously a lot with, with britters how much of it is still so relevant and i think there's some really interesting bits in the episode we're going to talk about which actually feel very ahead of its time yeah and there's also <laughs> the episode i watched last night of distraction they're actually burning they, they were literally burning money so like every question he got wrong he was given five grand and every question he got wrong he had to put a grand on the barbecue and it was literally going up in flames and i think he absolutely bonkers but yeah no times have changed a lot and obviously last week when we we're talking about britus as well we were talking about how he had his phone stuck to his head and that was like literally how we are glued to our phone in modern day compared to Britta's then who was literally had it super glued to his face and yes. you know you know I was, I was in Pizza Hut on Sunday and I just couldn't believe it how there was this little girl trying to get a dad's attention and he was just on his phone all the way through she was like yeah. daddy daddy look at this look at this drawing and he wasn't he wasn't en engaging with it or anything he was just fixed on his phone I looked to the left there was another couple again they were literally in complete silence and every time yeah. I go out to a restaurant it's couples in complete silence on the phones not speaking to each other and I'm thinking wow you know if British, <sighs> if British's phone was literally stuck to his face then our phones today are literally stuck to our hands and I think it's it was just a bit sad when I looked around I saw everybody just glued to the phones and not even speaking or looking at each other while the, having a meal <laughs> in, you know i was out with my partner last friday we were out for a dinner and i realized at one point after we ordered the food we were on our phones and i was like right put the phone down we're gonna have a conversation we're gonna have a, a chat like adults yeah. because you do realize that it, it does take over your life these devices yeah. and it's, it's in the 90s feels like an easier time absolutely bonkers but uh and speaking of the 90s being an easier time one thing what there wasn't an easier time was in 1993 in whitby newtown leisure center when a certain spider was on the loose as we're going to get right into that creeping feeling which was first broadcast on thursday the 14th of january 1993 at 8:30 on bbc one and it says in the tv guide of the time comedy series about the insufferable manager of a leisure center written by richard fagan and andrew norris and starring chris barry the staff stopped talking to gordon after he devises detailed personal fitness programs for all of them and yes there's lots to talk about with this one isn't there john it's quite a big episode i love what i love about this is the workplace politics um paired with the surreal element of the show and yeah. it, it's another example where i would say that you know people might have this idea that british is just a massive pantomime or a cartoon but actually i think what it has to say about workplace politics and the way staff are treated is something that we talk about a lot today and in a way british was quite ahead of the game that's when i feel i can believe in something that has a surreal element when it the realism is so believable and so relatable that you can believe in that and then the surrealist come, point comes in and you feel it sort of jolts you yeah i think that's a good point satisfying 
I think that's a good point because I think one of the big things about Fagan and Norris as writers of the British Empire is they're really good at balancing that surreal element with kind of it, they make it feel real it, no matter how ridiculous Britters gets no matter how surreal it gets they always balance it out and it always feels quite real at the same time they're good at making it realistic even if it is absurd again I think what a lot of the other shows that we've talked about before do it very well um one foot and 2.4 you know that, that you feel like they're in such a believable characters believable setting believable situations and then surreal element comes in it's just again it's more creative than anything you get today I would never like a show that's just stupid for the sake of it, where people aren't, aren't behaving like human beings. But I think with Britus, no matter how surreal it gets, there's always a reason behind it. And I think yeah. that's why, one of the reasons I like it. Running a business is chaos. Yeah. They, they, you know, it is. And if you're on your feet, especially when it's and probably not as much in office jobs, but it's in something that is, uh, you know, on your feet kind of job, it is gonna, there's going to be disasters. If you're facing the, the, the public, it's customer facing. It's always going to be a bit crazy. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously with this one, Britis is in his office with Laura, that's how it starts. And they're looking at a parcel that's arrived for him. And they think it's from Lord Milbanks, who is somebody who apparently despises Britis, we find out, doesn't he, John? Despises him. You know, he's still very um, oblivious, good Britis. And the way he says, you know, I'm asking, this is an apology, his way of saying no hard feelings. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> Everyone who dislikes. Mr. Britis holds a grudge against him forever. That's just how it is. And I think he's, again, is that kind of oblivious to other people and oblivious to humanity, really. Yeah, and I think this episode is a perfect example of how Britis is oblivious to humanity, isn't it? Because you've got Julie coming in and she's literally slamming the scissors down to open this box. And he's not really picking up at all that she's really, really angry with him. No. No, it's it's the social cues thing again. He, he's not picking all that stuff up. And I have to say, I, I learned a, a new phrase in this episode. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Go for it. And Laura says, um, you know, how long, how, you can, how, long, how much longer are you going to let this go on? Um, and she says, you know, they've sent you to Coventry. And in in Coventry, obviously, is a town in, in the uh, West Midlands, which actually my I'm from. Uh, my family uh, lived in Coventry for a number, probably the years the show was on, actually. Um, oh, right. Near Birmingham. And it, it basically, um, it's a term, it's an idiom, which is when people um, are avoiding someone if they're not, if they're choosing not to talk to them. And sometimes it can be like a company not talking to one person. And I went on to um, Wikipedia, because that's obviously the most reliable source for everything, um, yeah. saying that the origin of the phrase is unknown, or it's quite probable that events in Coventry in the English Civil War in the 1640s play a part. Um, yeah. So... It, it's um, one hypothesis based upon the history of the rebellion and civil wars in England. Uh, in this work, Clarendon recalls how royalist troops that were captured in Birmingham were taken as prisoners to Coventry, which was a parliamentarian stronghold. And these troops were often received war not received warmly by the locals. So that's probably where the, the term comes from. That's where they get the phrase from in terms of ignoring somebody completely then. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, I, it's something I have literally never heard before. I've never heard anyone say it in real life. I first, when I first heard this, I thought the staff literally sent Britters to Coventry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is a very strange term, but I think actually the majority yeah. of the audience watching this 31 years ago will have known it. That's yeah. Thing. And, and then there's another theory that I, I looked at as well online, because that was one theory. Then another theory was apparently it could have been used as a euphemism for being hanged. So if someone was going to be sent to Coventry, they're actually going to be hung. And that was in the from a Coventry outside the city's castles in Coventry, which obviously Coventry, if you're outside of England listening, is a, a city within Britain. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, it could have been either. I'm sure they all wanted to, to hang Brits. It's. I tell you, what, it's a bit like. Do you have you seen the Black Mirror Christmas special? Yes, I have. Yeah, and and with that, basically, they're walking around and you can block people literally. So you're walking past them, and all you see is like an outline of them and a muffle, and you can't hear them properly or you can't see them properly. I love that in real life, wouldn't you? If you just block I would people, love walking past that. it, <laughs> I would love that in real life. I think mine would break from overuse, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Laura is trying to give hints to Britus that the staff have sent him to Coventry. And she's mm. trying to say, look, can't you see there's anything wrong that they've sent you to Coventry? Don't you have any idea why? And obviously it transpires. It turns out that he's done this fitness and figures targets meeting. And 
we then get a flashback, don't we, to an excruciating session where we find out why the staff have sent him to Coventry. <laughs> I mean, it's a great example in terms of, again, British being completely oblivious to people's feelings and so lacking tact. Yeah. You know, it, it, in one way, he's probably, he's, he does mean well in the sense that he does want people to be healthy and Obviously, if you're working a lesson, you probably have to be. Um, yeah. But it's the fact that it's just the, it's it's not it's how he says it always. You know, so he said, so we've agreed that one of the responsibilities to show, by example, how attractive it is to have a body glowing by health and fitness. We want people to come in here and say, ooh, look at the physique on that young person. I wish I looked like that. But is that what they see? Do we really have the bodies other people really want? Looking around this room, we're honest with ourselves. I'm afraid the answer to that question in many cases would have to be, no, we don't. Thank you very much. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's the way he kind of goes no we don't thank you very much he, he kind of jogs his head and then carol starts crying and because he stares at her and you know she feels targeted again um, yeah because he's always com commenting on her and then colin bursts into the staff room doesn't he classic colin always late and apparently he woke up with a rather with a rather painful septic rash it just burst over out over the night but, i mean he i mean he's the one that's probably the most unhealthy of everyone but he has all, all these you know plant-based things that supposedly are making him healthy and well but he's not at all ever um yeah. he says he's a possibly allergic to elastic in his knee pajamas but he's always got something going on Britus wants to improve the fitness and, they, and he wants customers to come in and say oh look at the physique on that young person and he then he then hands out these big files to each of the staff members and he says now within these files you'll find not only some general do's and don'ts but also personalized program of diet exercise and mental discipline that will take each and every one of you over the next six months to your peak of physical well-being yours is a two-year outline carol and then carol gets this massive folder just dumped on a lap that's really heavy and she's like thank you mr britus yeah it's another example where carol just sort of taking it bless her it's it's so cruel what he could put her through and and then the thing that's even more shocking is that he then um you find that on this board with paper with a massive sort of paper says my figure in fitness target and then he oh, the, oh, the flip chart yeah, yeah. Flip, the flip chart and it's like you realize he's actually been taking pictures yeah. of the staff in this changing room in their oh, underwear yeah. it's it's so cringe so like he, he actually gets a picture of one of the staff getting changed, doesn't he? Yeah. The flipboard. He, he flip, yeah, Samantha. And then he puts an overlay over it, a laminated overlay, an outline of how she should be shaped. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, it's one of those things where I don't always immediately jump on, you know, everything, you know, I say that sort of aged badly. But I think this is probably just the one thing that you, you look at and think, okay, yeah, that, yeah can't really just i can't really um, defend this to this one just a bit because i think it's one of those where you know things you know as i say conversations change around body image and and stuff yeah. like that especially for for women and stuff and uh, it's it is, probably the most woke you'll ever hear me listeners <laughs> yeah it is excruciating and it also is funny at the same time because obviously you've got the poor samantha who's now in tears with her body yeah. on the flip chart and then this overlay showing and he, he starts pointing to the areas that need improvements he's like sections of flabby thighs here and he points to a picture poor muscle tone in the abdominal area and these rather unattractive thick ankles yeah yeah it's it's um yeah i think again the, the in another way another theory of how they kind of get away with it in inverted commas is because british is just so clueless yeah um, and and so tactless but i think where where i do find this bit funny is when tim asks him where did you get a photograph of me in my underwear and he says in my underwear when he looks at gavin and gives yeah. him sort of evil glare almost like a seat <laughs> well i think it gives it you know an example of what they get up to at home and is british yeah. found anything or gavin accidentally draw a picture of some kind it's just you know it's a more adult joke that you kind of get when you're a bit older we just realize how data the technology is now because britta says it's now possible from the aid of a local video shop to transfer a still frame from our security cameras so i mean obviously in modern day technology there's a few episodes like this with the cc team and stuff in the leisure center you know it would be a very different ball game wouldn't it <laughs> oh yeah totally it really would i mean you know nowadays you could put like a little dot in the wall and then people will be able to yeah. see uh, although i suppose like with cctv cameras there's no way you'd be able to put cct cameras in 2023 in places where people are getting changed would you isn't it illegal isn't it illegal as well like you can't actually put us legally you can't put a cctv camera in a, in a changing room yeah i mean 
I think I think so, yeah, because I can't imagine in, in any way, shape or form that that would be okay, especially with, you know, all the Jimmy Savile scandals and all the terrible things that have come to light in recent times. I can't see how yeah. CCTV in those areas would ever be a thing. And obviously Gavin is even alarmed by it. So even by then, it was quite an alarming thing to happen. Yeah, um, and that, that's what I think, I, I think where, where Brutus and, and so it's like when uh, they want to eat in the last series when he was trying to find out who's stealing the money. And Laura says, but that's spying on people. You know, yeah. in a way, I think where they get away with this, in a way, Chris, is the fact that he is being, you know, today a lot of people always talk about when TV shows from the past include material scenes that have is aged badly. People always say, well, the characters haven't been called out. This is actually a case where he has been called. He is called out. He has had a, a nasty effect. That's the whole point, in a way, that he is so tactless. I mean, even here, when... Um, his response to Gavin is, yeah, you're missing the point. They're just bodies. We've seen them all before. There yeah. is still that in a couple of innocence about him, that just naivety. I don't um, think it would, I don't yeah. think it would hold up. It wouldn't hold up in court, that argument, would it? Oh, it wouldn't hold up in court at all. I mean, but um, nothing that he does would hold up in court as, as like, no. I mean, well, obviously he was in court last, in last week's episode, but yeah, I yeah. think it, it's the, it's the thing I will say. I mean, I, I don't want to be one of these people like defends everything all the time and says you know if i do think something is aged badly i will say but i do think you know as we say it's 30 years ago they are calling him out they're all angry by it um so it's not like it's being condoned yeah exactly yeah and i think today as well in, in 2023 i think people will be straight on the phone to hr wouldn't they and um, if this happened today <laughs> Yeah, and that would probably what would happen in a modern day episode of, of Brutus. I'm saying I, I don't think yeah. that something like this couldn't be shown in a sitcom now. I think the way they would address it is different, but I think it could be done in a way where it's it's showing the shock that the the, the sort of it's it's appalling behaviour, but also not just preaching about it. You know what I mean? It can be done in a very subtle comedy where i mean like when julie says you know you're not mine you haven't when she says about bodies before and then she looks in, in a following <laughs> oh my oh, oh oh my god you know i think it's a good example of where you can actually find humor even in things that are a bit not right but if it's not condoning it it's 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 i don't know i'm i'm over i'm probably over talking this part sorry but no, i just no. feel that there's a lot today where you feel like you can't do something or you just have to preach a message about something whereas actually yeah. in a more subtle way what i like about the show yeah and i think despite being like the first episode aired like 33 years ago now and even watching this today it doesn't really feel dated in the sense no. because you've got the other characters to address the balance so you've got the other characters like you say like a modern audience would be those characters in that situation they're also shocked by british's actions and we also know why he's trying to do it he's trying to do it for the right reasons so i think yeah even despite it being 30 years ago this and obviously times have changed and obviously discussions around people's bodies and you know, body confidence and anorexia and everything else there's a lot more discussions about that stuff now isn't there and targeting a woman's body on a flip chart and saying she's fat basically wouldn't mm. wash well in today's standards but i think at the same time it's kind of showing the innocence of britus and also the staff in the episode are also shocked so i think in that way it stops it from being dated as well and also yeah. it is still funny it's one of those things you don't want to laugh at but it is still quite funny yeah and they've sent him to coventry so they're yeah. actually they're actually it's, it's it's in a way it's like the whole modern day thing of the workers are you know the workers are, are banding together to um, take over the hierarchy. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that stood out in this scene as well is Julie and how she glares at Britus all the way through. Like yes. she, she looks so hurt and angry. Yeah, I think it, it's just played so well, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, uh, it is. And I like the transition from this flashback back to the office, where it says, "This is just a positive program to make sure we all get fitter and healthier," which is all we want, isn't it? And then you go back with it to the the office, and a little close up on Britain, and he goes, "No, nope, I can't think of anything." Yeah, yeah, still completely after running that whole scene through his head, he just can't think of anything that's that he said that's wrong as well. Again, it's typical that Laura is the one who is the voice of reason. You know, she says, "Well, you'll take my word for it." Very strong feelings were aroused. She's trying to once again as we've seen multiple times already, she's trying to make Britis see sense. And obviously at this point, Colin storms in to the office and basically he puts his foot in it because 
He's telling Brutus that the staff have been having secret meetings and saying terrible things about him. And he says, I'm just glad it's all out in the open. It was like some evil force creeping into our once happy centre. And it's at this point we see as he turns round to leave the actual office, the, f the first shot of the spider, isn't it, John? Yes. Uh, so the spider is like, um, it's like, it, it means massive. Um, it's kind yeah. of a yellow black spider, little, um, not one that you'd ever probably see in this country very often. Um, so anyone who is a, a fellow Britcom fan of 90s will recognize that, uh, that spider actually made an appearance later on in 1993 in the very first episode of the third series of 2.4 children in an episode where the main character, Bill, the mother, um, goes into her son David's bedroom, reads his diary, and then later at the end of the episode, she finds a, a spider that's on her shoulder. And I spoke to Steve Lucas, who was the visual effects designer on British and 2.4 at this time. And as we've said before, you know, there's plenty of crossover of props. It's the BBC prop department. They all use this. They all share the shows, all share the props. And it was, you know, the same spider. So I, I, I just love that bit of trivia, knowing that there was a spider that appeared in two amazing sitcoms in 1993 episodes. It does look like quite a fake spider, doesn't it? When you look at it, you think, oh, that's definitely a toy they're using there, the BBC. It, it, I think that's kind of the, the point of it. It's a bit, a bit of the charm yeah. of it, is what I always think. I do also love one bit in this. I do love one line in this um, scene as well. A bit earlier was when um, he says to Julie, no, sorry, he says to Laura, Laura, you have, do you have any idea how long it took me to prepare those files? My wife didn't see me for three months. Fortunately, she was very brave and cheerful about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've got that down as well. That's a classic great line, isn't it? Yeah, I love that. And then obviously now Britus advises Laura that these are sick people, you know, that they're holding the secret meetings, they're sent into Coventry, and he wants to fix the staff, he wants to get things back. Actually, before this as well, though, it's amazing how he thought everything was great because they're all just getting on with the job and not complaining. So them ignoring him, he thought was actually an improvement, which was quite worrying. But now Colin and Laura's finally made him see light and he wants to actually call a psychiatrist, which is a Dr. Alan Matthews. Now, he was played by Andrew Hilton and was born on the 21st of October 1947 in Bolton. And he's famous for, um, so the BBC's television of Shakespeare in 1978 and Howard's Way and also Tales of the Unexpected, which is like a horror anthology series, John. It is. It's like, um, I'd say it was the inside number nine of its day. In fact, I think ah. the guys who wrote inside number nine were inspired by Tales of the Unexpected because of the twist Ooh, at the end. Nice. I might have a look at that then. Is it on streaming at all? Or Don't know if it's on stream, but I think you can watch it on YouTube. And I think, you can, I think you can watch it easily online. Let's say that. Right, I see. I'll have to have a look at that, yeah. Because anything, anything inside number nine-esque is exciting. <laughs> they're on, they're on the, the final series this year, isn't it? Yeah, they are indeed, yes. They're filming it now, so I'll be interested on series nine, last ever series. Yeah. I actually watched League of Gentlemen for the first time. I think it was either last week or the week before. New Year's New Year's Day night, I think it was, when we were in Scarborough, me and Holly. And uh, yeah, it's just, a, it's very it's very bizarre and dark, isn't it? I wasn't sure what, what to make of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's 25 years old today, actually. It started 25 years ago, funnily enough. Very bleak. Um, stick with it. <laughs> I'm going to watch some more of it because if I'm an Inside Number Nine fan, I'm probably going to like it. So I'll uh, I'll stick with it. Yeah, <laughs> and but yeah, so we cut to the psychologist's office now in a, in a high rise office block, and we see from their end that Mr. Brittis is on the phone to this secretary, and she's saying on the phone, "There's a waiting list, Mr. Brittis." And then the, the, the uh, psychologist says, "Brittis, Gordon Brittis, manager of the leisure centre. I'll take it." And then he goes, "Mr. Brittis, Alan Matthews here. What sort of problems?" Well, I can certainly check anxiety levels if that would help. <laughs> and then I love this bit because she basically says, what about your appointments? Well, it's like, you're not heard of him. I remember the day of the opening, he made the Duchess of Kent pick up a sweet wrapper. I'll get a book out of this, uh, Julie, if not a television series. And I think that's a little bit meta as well. Yeah, you can, it, is, it is something you can imagine said in real life by a journalist or a psychiatrist trying to use it as a case study. But I also like the fact that they refer to the uh, past event with the Duchess of Kent. I always love that in sitcoms when they refer to previous events, because 2.4 Children's good at that. It just makes it feel a lot more realistic. It makes it feel like it is a real world as opposed to a cartoon that just resets after every every episode. 
Oh, definitely. And I, but I also like the fact that it's something added. So we didn't see that Mr. British would uh, ask the Duchess to pick up a sweet wrapper, but it's knowing the episode and the context of the story and what happened. Yeah. It's yeah. very funny knowing that despite all that disaster, he still asked her to pick up a sweet wrapper. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think as well, what's clever is like, referring to it as if, because he says to her, I'll get a book out of this visit to the Whitby Leisure Centre, if not a television series. And I think that makes it feel more real and more dynamic because I think similar to Scream, when it kind of winks at the fact it's a horror film, with this winking at the fact it's also a television series, it somehow makes it feel a bit more realistic, I think, as well. And then um, back at the centre, Colin is trying to establish who is and isn't sending Britters to Coventry. So who is or isn't ignoring him. Speaking to Carol, she's a bit on the fence, isn't she? And he kind of says, oh, I'll put you down as a dope no trying to be uh i think quite uh what's the word balanced with all yeah. this isn't she yeah she's too nice carol because even though british is pretty horrible to her i think she still has a bit of a soft spot to him and she doesn't really want to ignore him but doesn't want to upset the staff either and yeah. she's having to clear out so that gives a great gateway for the spider as well to be mixed up in all the toys that are on the reception desk and helen arrives yeah. as well yeah it's uh it's for the charity shop i love the way she says we have to do a, a little bit for our, for children less fortunate than ourselves and then helen says well less fortunate than children living in drawers behind a desk and then she says it's extraordinary what they make for children these days i mean look at this boing boing and then she's picking up a spider and playing with it and obviously the audience know at this stage that it's, it's a real spider but she yeah. thinks it's a toy and i think that's a it's a nice little running joke throughout this episode isn't it how the audience know that the spider's there but the characters don't helena by this point is pregnant with gordon's twins which is what we found out from series two yeah and another thing i noticed here was bungee bear so carol's got bungee bear and it's so sinister because the audience see that the spider's on the back of the the, the stuffed bear and yes. she's opening the drawer to put it in with her child she's going Emily, your your turn next. She's making a, a dangerous situation, an already dangerous situation with her children being drawn even worse by putting in a poisonous spider. And then obviously in the staff room, Tim, Gavin and Julie are discussing why someone would send leaves to Britus because, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but the actual parcel he received, it turned out it was actually just a box of leaves. Mm. And it's from Lord Milbank who hates Britus, so there must be a reason why they've sent them. And that's as much as we know at this point, isn't it? And then Colin arrives asking them if they <laughs> sent Britus to Coventry. And I love Julie's response. Yeah, you can say it was my idea too. Yeah, I'll just put a tick for you. I'll just put a tick for now. Um, yeah. You know, underplaying it. Yeah, I mean, ob- obviously it had to be Julie to suggest it. And then obviously in the box at closer inspection, Colin Colin knows about leaves and plants, so they ask Colin, and he and he said it's used for packaging mainly. And then they find on closer inspection a half-eaten spider in the box, and question why would Lord Milbank send a Britus um, a half-eaten spider? Now the one thing um, I couldn't understand what's What's a Rembrandt, John? Do you know what Re- I don't know what a Rembrandt is? Because they said that Britus destroyed a Rembrandt, or was it that Lord Milbank threw a Rembrandt at him or something and it went into the fire? So it's obviously Britus caused Lord Milbank to destroy something that was very valuable and important. I think that's what I'm getting from it. But I just yeah, it kind of went over my head that. I don't know why I didn't look at it. <laughs> it's just a it's a Dutch painter, so I think it's something happened with a Oh, it's like a painting, is it, of some kind? Expensive. Yeah, so he's he's a painter. Yeah, so Rembrandt was a a painter. Britus destroyed a Rembrandt. He actually destroyed a picture. So it's like yeah. a Rembrandt. Yeah, right. I see. Like a Van Gogh sort of thing. I understand yeah. that. Yeah. And because I thought it was a plant for some reason. I don't know why. It sounds like a plant to me. It, it does actually. Yeah. I mean, when I think of Rembrandt, I just thought of the Rembrandts from uh, the, 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 the duo who's on the Friends theme tune. Well, Mr. Matthews arrives in reception and then he's soon taken to Britus's office where Helen arrives as well. And I absolutely love this scene. It's just so funny, isn't it? Because you've got Britus. And the psychologist, Alan Matthews, in his office. And then Helen's arrived in the office as well. And he's basically brought this machine which tests anxiety levels. And Britta suggests that they test it out first on Helen. And apparently the lower the sound, the more relaxed the person is. And the higher the sound, the more anxious they are. I mean, what would be the modern equivalent of that, do you think? I don't know. It's, it's got like lie detector vibes, hasn't it? That's yeah, what it, it feels like, that kind of thing. So, yeah, because they, they, they hook Helen up, don't they? It's like little plugs that they stick on her to test anxiety levels. And then they switch it on and <laughs> Helen's hooked up. And no surprisingly, it's immediately very, very high-pitched sound. Yeah. And I love Dr. Matthews' response. He says, uh, I'll be honest, I've only seen levels like this high in America. We tested a man on, we tested a man on death row. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just, it, and I think there's some really funny moments um, to come with this because i love the sound of it as well yeah. it's like a buzzing sound 
um, but it, it sounds so funny and the way it kind of goes up and down is, is it, with the with how she's feeling around Britis is just really amusing. Yeah, I love this whole next bit because Britis is trying to do some relaxation techniques to bring the noise down to make her more calm and it's just yeah. going up and up and up. <laughs> it caused a paper jam as well. Yeah, he says, I want you to imagine you're on a tropical island and we're skipping along the beach. Suddenly, I take your hand. Yeah. There, it stopped. And he goes, no, it's gone into ultrasound. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just brilliant. And again, I think it plays it really well. It doesn't overdo it, uh, but works really well in terms of getting across how much stress he causes people. There's some really, really funny moments and lines in this episode. Absolutely. It's just um, there's some great stuff in it. And obviously yeah. we're back into the corridor and Julie's warning Tim and Gavin that there's a psychologist in the building and Gavin's gone off for a cheeky smoke, hasn't he? With Tim. So they're like having a, seek, a cheeky cigarette smoke in the building, which obviously you wouldn't get today, would you? With them um, smoking being banned indoors. You get vaping now. Vaping. Yes. Yeah. If it was made in 2023, Gavin would probably, probably be vaping. But uh, yeah. I, li I like this whole thread with Gavin and smoking as well. Cause I think it is something they drop, but I think it's good because it's a good nod back to series two. So mm. again, it's that sort of referring back to previous episodes, characters, yeah. characters being consistent as well. Yeah. He's, and he's not a consistent smoker. So he's kind of, uh, you know, he's someone who's, who's either has been, but now he's trying to stop. Uh, which is really interesting. And obviously Julie reminds Tim, he, he, she says, name one time, one time, Gavin, when Britta's helping actually helped. And then she's basically just plotting this staff meeting after work, isn't she, where they want to do something to Britta's because it's just getting out of control. He's got a psychologist in and they need to sort something out or do something. And then uh, you've got, I love when Linda asks Laura, when she appears, Laura, have you seen Mr. Britta? She goes, not for an hour or so. Can't you tell by the smile? Yeah, that's in reception, isn't it? So Colin, Linda and Laura. Linda's brother collects spiders and she's going to call him to see how dangerous this spider on the loose actually is. And I love this bit because Colin says, I get this feeling it's round here somewhere. And they disperse and it's on Linda's back. Yeah, and then we learn it's a half-eaten um, half spiders from South America. So I think yes. it's that knowledge that it's um, you know, very dangerous, it's poisonous. It is poisonous. Um, yeah. Another assassination attempt, Law. We have to warn Mr. Britis. You know, I love the fact that he um, he calls it an assassination attempt, an assumption that it is another uh, person trying to kill Mr. Britis. And I like this. That there's a long yeah. row list of names of people trying to kill Britis. Yeah, I like that as well because it reminded me of series one, episode six with Larry who's tried to assassinate yeah. Britus. That's what I thought of, because obviously that's called assassin that episode. So I immediately thought of that when Colin had that remark. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I was the same. Yeah. And then obviously Tim is being tested next in the staff restroom. So he, he's hooked up to the anxiety machine with Mr. Matthews and he's quite relaxed, isn't he? He's healthy and relaxed and everything's fine. And Mr. Matthews is like, well, you seem got a very relaxed uh, attitude to your work and you enjoy the work he's like yeah it's great they're a great crowd and then the moment Britus walks in the noise of the machine it starts going up doesn't it <laughs> yeah i love how uh, tim's face just turns very yes. uh, awkward uh, when uh, mr Britus walks in with the um tub with the baby doll going slight panic over the antenatal class i'm asked paying to lend a hand which means you've just volunteered to do her pool duty now i realize it's your half day but it's one of those times where we have to be all hands on the deck comprende are we perhaps a little overdue for a fresh t-shirt, Tim? Uh, before we go on duty, point taken, good. And then yeah. it just rises and rises. Yeah, he, he just, um, that noise just rises the more that Mr. British just talks. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Tim's facial expression, though, like you say, because he does this, Russell Porter, who plays Tim, he he's great making these facial expressions and the smile it's like you can tell he's super super uncomfortable in this moment yeah. he's just trying to disguise it with his smile and it looks yeah. like he's going to just explode with anxiety the more Britis is in the room speaking to him it's just such good acting from russell porter <laughs> oh absolutely i mean it just yeah i mean i think the fact that he's just just annoying every single person and then it's really given the psychologist a lot of uh, great material for his book and potential television show <laughs> yeah I, I do and i think that as well, what I love about this episode is how it's all circulating, all everything's rotating around Britus, isn't it? You know, it's a real yeah. sort of great character study of him and how he really does impact people and get get up the noses. I think it's just yeah. great, a, a great display of Gordon Britus's character driven up to the max. Hundred percent. No, it absolutely is. And I always like those episodes because you really get a sense of how he does affect everybody. 
it's a bit like setting concrete, isn't it? Like a series two. That's another one where yeah. it's more of a study of Brits's character and how his actions and feelings really do impact people. Hundred percent. Yeah, no, it does. And then obviously we've got in reception, Helen and Gordon. Again, some great bits coming up here. We've got Britta's holding like a, a dummy baby. I paused it on Britbox and the, yeah. the, the dummy baby's face is terrifying. It's more terrifying than Chucky if you pause it, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> really, it's, it's a bit um evil looking, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really terrifying. But um he advises Helen that he's dismissed Mrs. Lucas and she says Helen says to him, You've dismissed the most popular antenatal teacher in the whole of the South of England. Popular as she was, my darling. She was also a sexist. <laughs> I love that. I love when he refer I love the dialogue and the sort of idiolect of course when he calls her a sexist. Rather yeah. than she was she's sexist. She is a sexist. I just love the way he says it. A sexist. It's just yeah. he like raises his head, doesn't he? And it's just so so funny. Um, yeah. And she goes, A what? How anyone in this day and age can believe men should be excluded from the experience of pregnancy? Is this because she wouldn't let you come to the class? This is the 90s, Helen. Pregnancy is an experience we share. I tell you something, my darling. When you have our twins, I won't be out in the corridor. I'll be right in there with you. And the look of horror on Helen's face. You're not, are you? Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then she says, who's taking the class this afternoon? I am, my darling. So now Britus is going to take the antenatal relaxation class, which could only be ending chaos, can't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, I, I love that scene. Yeah. Later on. I cannot wait till we get to that scene. <laughs> and then by now, Mr. Mr. Matthews has got Gavin hooked up to the anxiety machine. And again, it's another great scene. It's another ex exposure of how Britus upsets everybody because he's talking to Gavin. The noise is going up on the anxiety machine, isn't it? And then it says, can you remember any particular time when he has upset you? And then the noise rises every time. And then, and then Gavin's <laughs> face looks really sinister. Goes, Perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a great transition to the next scene with the antenatal class because it's like anytime he's upset you and then the next scene he upsets everyone. Oh, I absolutely love this because you've got Britus at the head of an antenatal relaxation class and all the women are lying down on the floor and he's there with this calming music on and he's saying, and whilst we think of these gentle, positive thoughts, let's remember dad because he sometimes gets left out, doesn't he? Let's remember Jim, eh, Brenda? I hope his worries in redundancy and the fall off in the motor trade prove unfounded. Let's remember Bob, shall we, Elaine? And we all hope you hear some news of him before too long. And Elaine starts crying. And let's not forget these are worrying times to bring a child into the world. We want to be positive and not think of the many things that can go wrong with the actual birth itself. He's just, everyone's getting upset. And then Helen's there like, oh, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just it's just so amusing um, that he can be so thoughtless again. So uh, funny. Um, it's almost like, the, like last week's episode with the... Um, old age pensioners, you know, with the chainsaw and then they yes. um, setting off the, um, the walkers. But in this, it's just him being verbal and just thinking, that, you know, again, being attacked with this, with what he says. And it's just so funny. I think what makes it funny is the fact we, we had this conversation with him and Helen about yeah. the antenatal woman who's been struck off being a sexist because the way he's mentioning dad and stuff, I think it just makes it much more funnier after having that yeah. conversation with Helen. It's that nice little build up to, to this, isn't it? Oh, it is. And it's such a short scene, but it, and they don't overdo it, but it's just perfect for the amount it's there. It is. It is just so, so funny. And at this point, the panic is mounting in the leisure centre because we've got Laura, Linda and Colin by the coffee machine. Linda has spoken with her brother and the spider has now been confirmed. It's a South American tarantula and possibly one of the most poisonous creatures in the world. And it's mm. now, <laughs> apparently it's eaten its partner, so that's why there's a half-eaten spider in the box, and it wants to find somewhere to lay its babies. <laughs> I mean, it's a very grim, you know, visual, really, when, and that you don't see it, but in your head you think oh. this half-eaten spider in a box, it's, it's disgusting, really. And just the thought of a spider multiplying as well. I mean, are you, uh, where do you stand on spiders, John? Are you, are you scared of spiders or are you not bothered by them? Or um, I don't like them. But yeah. I know people who have full-blown arachnophobia. You can't even be in the same. If if you're in a big room and, and there's a spider in the corner, and they you you know people who literally can't be in the room. I I mean, my only worry with any kind of creature like that is if it's poisonous. I mean, I know we don't live in yeah. a country where that's possible, but no, I'm I'd say I can. I don't like them. I don't like them on me. If you know what I mean, I will obviously go if, if one 
if one appeared on me now, yeah, I'd yeah. really get off me. But I don't like creepy, crawly feeling. It's more just a discomfort. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm scared of them. What about, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of them, like, if I can't see it, I'm all right. But if, if I can see a spider's in my room, I want to get rid of it. And I can't relax until I've got rid of it. So yeah. my first thing is, you know, I had one on the wall the other week and I was just watching it and watching it. I didn't take my eyes off it and it wouldn't move. So I just kind of gave up in the end. But because yeah. they're always in a place where I can't get them. If they're in a corner on the roof that's too high, I can't catch them then and put them in a glass and put them outside. But the relief when I catch them in a glass and put them outside, I just feel so like a weight's been lifted off my shoulder. And yeah. where I'm doing the podcast now in my... <laughs> In the, where I live, basically, in Sheffield, there is a spider currently on the loose. I don't know where it is. So I am really? starting to get that creeping feeling as well, to be honest. Oh, yes. <laughs> love that. Good. <laughs> I tell you what, I love this line from Colin as well, because as they disperse from the coffee machine, they also want to go and find the spider and hunt it down. Now they know it's going to give birth to multiple poisonous spiders. And Colin says, I'll check the pool. Apparently, they, apparently they like somewhere warm and damp. And he turns around and it's on his arse. <laughs> the spider I love that. Oh, <laughs> it's so rank but it's so funny <laughs> absolutely brilliant and uh, i have i actually have some eight strange but true spider facts for you john so you're ready for these oh go ahead so number one um some male spiders just want to be eaten apparently so i don't know if this is the case here with with this particular tarantula but black widows are known for cannibalizing their their mates but this doesn't actually happen all the time the exception seems to be the red widow where the male force feeds himself to the female by placing himself into her into her basically oh wow okay if she, if she spits him out so to speak he will keep placing himself there until she eventually eats him and this is off um, a website, www.si.edu forward slash stories forward slash eight strange truth spider facts. So I presume they're true, but oh God, these spider pictures are making me feel very funny. Um, right. <laughs> another one is spiders can see what we cannot. So certain species um, of jumping spiders can see into spectrums we humans can't. And few have been shown to be able to see both UVA and UVB light. Wow. And then, that, yeah, that, that's incredible. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. And yeah, there's basically loads and loads of facts like this on, on this website. So I recommend you go and check them out. There's, there's yeah. eight facts here. And um, spiders can work together, which sounds terrifying. <laughs> While most yeah. spiders are solitary animals, there are some that form communities building large communal cobwebs. Oh, God. No. No, now that disturbs me no end. <laughs> okay, we're moving on now. I don't want to hear any more of this. It's making it me nightmares. <laughs> Yeah, Whippy Newtown's got enough spider activity. Yeah, that's enough spider facts for now. But yeah, I'm pretty sure the one in my room isn't a South American tarantula, so I should be all right. But And then obviously, this is another great, great scene, John. I think you're probably going to love this scene, don't you, as well, where Laura's walking with Mr. Alan Matthews, the psychologist, through the corridor. And then they look into the antenatal relaxation class Britis is taking. And it's just such a very funny scene because you get them both peering through the window and you can see Britus really upsetting all the women in this class and they're getting angry with him. He's trying to tell them how the birth works and they're saying, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. And they're just basically arguing with Britus. <laughs> it's just really, really funny because he says, this is an antenatal relaxation class. And by this point, Britus, <laughs> it's just, Britus is on the table at this point and the women are beating him up with like the toy doll, aren't they? Yeah. And, and it's so deserved. Yeah, because he has just been such a prat, and then I love the way it goes to the next scene where he's got like an X plaster on his nose and a red nose, and he's got a tissue on it. You know, he's just um, clueless to the fact that he is the cause of stress um, yeah. for everybody. One of the things I've written down as well is <laughs> before they go to the office, Laura actually says, um, "If you don't mind, I better," and then smiles at the psychologist as she walks in to split up the fight. But it's the way she delivers it, as if to say, "Yeah, this is quite normal. This I'm not going. I'm not alarmed by it. It's just, it's just standard." He's always making yeah. people fight each other because he irritates them so much. I just thought that was just yeah. so funny how she says it, so yeah. understated when she enters yeah. the room to break up the fight. <laughs> oh yeah, I always love those understated. Um delivery from a lot of the actors but especially from from Gina St. John as Laura very good she's great yeah and obviously this is where we get the big revelation isn't it back in Britta's office because we've got Britta's and the psychologist and he basically says I'm afraid the main cause of stress in this building is yourself I know you don't mean to but I'm afraid you seem to have this uncanny knack of rubbing people up the wrong way and he just doesn't believe it does he <laughs> basically yeah he's like I hear what you're saying Alan 
well, I think you must be missing something somewhere. And then the, I was like, yes, I thought that might be your reaction, which is why I've set up a small experiment. Next yeah. door's already in waiting. He comes out of his office. There's Julie hooked up to the, I keep wanting to say lie detector, but anxiety machine. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure that's not the technical term for it, but we'll go with anxiety machine. <laughs> and basically she's hooked up to it and he just wants Britus to talk to Julie without upsetting her, without saying anything that's going to upset her. And before he opens his mouth, straight away the machine goes straight yes. up. <laughs> He's like, hang on, I haven't said anything yet. She's like, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Don't worry, relax. And pitch starts to de decrease. And then and she goes, okay, Mr. Let's try again. And then it raises up rapidly again. Um, and he's like saying, oh, that's not fair. She didn't give me a chance. But yeah, it's a great example of the fact that just his very presence makes people stressed. I guess it's a scene where we see Julie quite vulnerable as well for the first time, because we've seen her quite hard as nails up to this point, haven't we? And we've yeah. seen her quite angry and bitter, but yeah. she genuinely seems anxious and upset and a bit scared in this scene, doesn't she? For the first oh, time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we don't see that from Julie. No, and that's always what, again, what I love about these shows is that even sort of, sort of the, the, not necessarily the main characters, but in an ensemble piece, they're given moments of depth or moments where you see a different side to them. And it just makes it more interesting. And, and, and not just for the viewer, but I'm sure it does for the, for the actors as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And obviously this is a great, I love this scene as well, because we go back to the office with Britus and the psychologist. And he says, I don't understand. I love my staff. Why would I want to upset them? I mean, this place is everything to me. It's what I've always wanted. And I love how Dr. Matthews says, and he says, Brit says it's his dream. And Dr. Matthews says how dreams can be very dangerous. And he says, yeah. I'm talking about changing people's lives, changing the whole direction of civilization. Yeah, it, I think it's, it's, it's just so another example of where someone is counter-arguing the British thing because obviously in the first series you had the um the girl who's the 17 year old who says he's amazing he's got a dream it's someone actually bringing it back to reality a little bit and yeah. he says you know should so do you think i should abandon my dream he goes, yes yes i think that would be the answer if you forgot about world peace and for fostering the brotherhood of man and just ran a sports center i think everything would be fine and this is the bit where what i love about british because it loops back round again. This is very much similar to the setting concrete episode of series two with the yeah. stonemason, because you, you think, oh, Britus is, is starting to learn here. And then up, oh, it loops back round again and he's back to square one because he says, but what if I'm right? What if my dream is a good dream that will help people? And Mr. Matthew says, it's possible. I don't have all the answers, Mr. Britus. And he says, I do, you see, that's why I'm the manager. So it's yeah. completely reset now. Like you've got somebody in here who's saying, look, you're the one that, annoys people here. You're the one that gets on people's noses. But Brits has somehow looped back round to thinking, no, his dream's good and he's going to keep trying to change the world for the better. And he hasn't learned. He's still in square one. And it is the same as setting concrete in series two where, you know, Laura tries to train him, but then he starts offending the stonemason and that all goes wrong and it loops back to Brits being in square one again. I think it's a good point that you made though, John, about comparing this to series one with the interview with Beverly Pearson. Yeah. Because obviously yeah. it's a complete contrast because she admires, you know, the dream. And whereas this guy is saying, no, the dream's dangerous. It's a complete contrast, isn't it? Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. I think that's why I like it. What I like about the show is it's not just the same response to Brits. I mean, I mean, virtually every episode, there is an, a guest character who comes into it. Some people we may, ne may never see again, who is the outsider going into the chaos. And I like the way that Fagan and Norris changed the the approach and the the reaction to to the Legend Center and the reaction to Britus and yeah. Britus's way of thinking. Because in most of these sitcoms, it's always the counter response, which is always people hate the the bosses or the main characters. So in like Faulty Towers, I can't think of there's been an episode of Faulty Towers where anyone agrees with Basil Faulty, for example. In this yeah. though, it's that variety which, and, and in different types of people. So it's not just inspectors, it's 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 17 year old girl being interviewed and this is a psychologist. And yeah, it's it's the way they play with all that. I, I just think it keeps it fresh and interesting and, and yeah. expands that idea of the workplace and the workplace people go into and so wonderful, really good. Yeah, because I mean, it's not repetitive, is it, with that? Because yeah. you get different perspectives from different characters. Because, like you say, with Faulty Towers, everyone hates Basil Faulty. 
There's yeah. never kind of a moment where, I mean, I suppose you do empathize with him to a degree, but yeah, there, yeah. there's never kind of a situation where the lens shifts in terms of what people think of him. Everyone always hates Basil Fawlty. They never like, do you know what? He's a really nice guy. So yeah, you haven't got that complexity there. And I think keep up appearances is one that always hits the same beat. I mean, again, I, I, I like Fawlty Towers and I'm a big lover of keynote appearances, but I think one of its perhaps flaws is it can get very repetitive keynote yeah. appearances because it is hitting the exact same beats. And, you know, having watched it inside and out, there's times where they use the, the exact same joke multiple times and it does get very kind of watching it back to back. It can be quite hard work, even yeah. though it's a great show and immaculately played and also directed it's you know it can be quite repetitive whereas i think with british you can just binge watch it because every plot is so varied every character is yeah. so different and their responses to the characters differ they're not just like hyacinth everyone's scared of hyacinth they're always hiding from onslow but with this there's variety isn't there in terms of how the writers play with the formula absolutely and and the story arcs as well so you have yeah. really great original stand, almost like standalone but standalone episodes but with stuff running through the episode in the series so you can watch the episodes in one-offs but knowing if you are following it there's a there's some arc to it as well yeah and i like the episodes where you've got like character studies so you've got an episode that's about laura you've got an episode later on that's about colin you know each character oh, gets the, each character gets their own kind of spotlight in a way don't they the main characters they do. And and that's so rare because in American sitcoms, if they've got like 10 plus to 22 episode seasons, they have, they can do that. But what's clever about these episodes of British is that even with the ones that are about British, everyone's still involved. Really good. Yeah, it's brilliant. And obviously the next thing that happens is Gavin rushes in telling British to come quickly and he rushes into the staff restroom because Colin has been bitten by the poisonous spider, which I don't know, it's just really, really funny this, even though, <laughs> because you've got, Colin saying that he's only got three and a half minutes to live and it's just I, I just love how he's kind of swaying and he's sat down and all the staff around him and he's got a blanket around him and it's like the end of Colin's life basically and Britus says are you sure he looks perfectly all right to me it takes a while for the symptoms to take effect Mr Britus says Carol and then Britus says what symptoms and Tim says well death mainly yeah I like the way everyone under, underplays this scene I mean especially when um Ben Britta says, oh, Gavin said you've been bitten by a spider. Wasn't it poisonous? He goes, oh, extremely poisonous, Mr. Brittas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, at, this yeah. at this point, yeah, he's got three and a half minutes to live, apparently, after being bitten by this very poisonous spider. They can't get to the, the tropical centre where the, the drug is that he needs to take the poison away. The only way to save Colin is if someone sucks the poison out. And I love this bit because you can just see Brittas's lips get ready. Yeah. after they've told him where the poison is which is of course on his ass oh god i mean yeah i mean i mean I, it's just weird thing you got to suck the poison out. i mean that'd be dangerous for gordon wouldn't it yeah but can you imagine even more dangerous is just sucking colin's ass <laughs> oh oh god i like the way it's like um that the spider was looking somewhere warm and damp to lay its eggs and it's just and it found colin's trousers it's just like bleh, bleh. Yeah. That's actually more disturbing than the spider itself, to be honest. Yeah, I think I'd rather be in a room with a, sp a spider on the loose than Colin, to be honest. But uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I think what's clever about this scene is we don't see Britta's suck. I, th I think if we saw Britta's suck the, the actual poison out of Colin's bottom, I mean, A, you perhaps couldn't get away without a half eight, but I think it would make it seem a bit crass. I think the fact that they cut away from it and leave it to the imagination is much oh, better yeah. isn't it much oh, better 100% better. i completely agree sometimes that understated bit of not seeing something that's ridiculous and full bloom it's like we talked about last week in the trial didn't we about texas chainsaw massacre and stuff about how it the original is so minimal in terms of what it actually shows and it leaves it to the imagination and it can be a stronger piece of art as a result and i think that's the case here Oh yeah, definitely. I think sometimes, as you say, this it would it would seem too crass, really. I think it would be well again, not you know, the 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 time slot, but as well, it would seem completely out of place because we wouldn't have seen anything like that previously. 
Yeah, definitely. And then obviously we cut to the reception. Colin is off to hospital. All the staff are suddenly being really nice to Britta's, aren't they? Julie's saying he'll do the work for him. I'll do it in triplicate. I know you like it like that. And then Gavin's there saying, your jacket, Mr. Britta's. And I think that's quite symbolic. I think what's clever is it's a minor detail, but mm. Britta's just wore his jacket all the way through the episode. No, I understand that. And I think it is something that I think probably was um, sort of orchestrated, you know, written with that in mind, because I think I love things like that. It's been one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, like some of my podcasts about TV show and films exist. It's, it's fun to see, to, to dissect these details and really admire the, the time and the ideas and the effort put in by the writers. And it is a beautiful moment. It, it does bring it all full circle. That even someone like Gordon, Britters, the staff do respect him in the end because he he did he, i mean it had to take as i mean it says this conversation with laura McGregor, you know, he had to take him sucking the poison out of colin to actually regain their respect when laura comes in at the end of the office in, in gorm's office where he's saying the hospital's wrong he's all right they say he's got very high toxicity levels that's nothing to do with the spider yeah she says dr matthews is gone and she says has he made any suggestions nothing very practical laura and then this bit is a great last bit that britta says because he says tell me something laura I have got this right, have I? I spend every evening for three months devising a self-improvement plan for my staff, and they respond by sending me to Coventry. I then spend 30 seconds on the floor of the staff restroom sucking out a bit of poison, and suddenly I'm Mr. Wonderful. I mean, can you work that logic out? And she goes, um, honestly, Laura, I sometimes wonder if I really understand people at all. <laughs> it's a weird voice, a weird kind of yeah. facial expression, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I love that freeze at the end, because I think, you know, it's just, another example where he's just not understand he says he doesn't understand people at all no he doesn't that's the problem and the way he summarizes it up um it just says a lot about his character about the situation and yeah it's a perfect ending to the, and a perfect final line to the episode and again it's very similar how to setting concrete finish because because that ends with don't stop laura I'm, I'm winning or something along those lines and that, that again ends just as britus hasn't got anything at all so anything that he's been taught in that episode just like this one the final line of britus just shows that he's not yeah. learned anything and he's just back to square one yeah exactly and and that's the thing about sitcoms they have to go back to square one but in this instance you know um there is definitely that feeling of gordon growing the story grows even if the characters don't what, what's your final thoughts on this one john well, I just think it's such a, again, a brilliant blend of real life work, politics, then the surreal element with the spider, and then the psychologist and an outsider coming in. I mean, psychologist is always, is always good fodder for comedy, because psychologists can say so much about people. Um, it's just another very solid episode. But again, even though we, we, say, we are, said before, seeing sort of elements similar to episodes before it's not, not repeating itself it, it, yeah. it, it's not hitting the same beats it's very different and, and has something different to say it's, it's really clever yeah it is it's a really strong episode this i think it's it's so funny and again as we always say it's very well written obviously but yeah it's just a really good episode and i think this is the one it's probably one of my favorites because it's one i'd show to people who perhaps aren't familiar with the show because yes. I think it's a good example of showing what Britus is like as a character. Yes. But it's just very, very clever. And just the whole anxiety machine and stuff and how he, and the antenatal scene, it's just so, so funny. And there's just so many great bits in this. It, it makes it up there with my top, probably my top episodes of the, the whole series, of the whole seven series. Now then, as we know what's coming next, listeners and John, we've got the Britus quiz. Let's see how well you've either watched this episode or listened to us talking about this episode. I feel like these have, I've got a bit carried away here in terms of making these questions difficult. So I apologize in advance, but hey, we, we like a challenge, don't we? Yes, definitely. It's not quite as mean as the individual fitness and figure targets, though, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got five questions. OK, so question number one, which member of staff's I'll, I'll say this again. So which member of staff's, of the staff's body does British use as, as an example in the in individual fitness and figure meetings? So he uses one staff's body as an example to show the areas of improvement with the flabby thighs and thick ankles. And which member of staff is that? Okay, that's number one. Number two, what is the name of Ben's bear? So there's a bear that has the spider attached to it, which is also given to Emily. Your turn next. What's the name of the bear? So 
again, I've, I've been quite hard this, harsh this week, so I do apologise. <laughs> now, this is another tough question. Who normally takes the antenatal classes? So the one that's been struck off. It's a missus. So who, question three, who normally takes the antenatal classes, the relaxation ones that Britta's has sat? And it's a missus somebody. I'll give you a clue. It's a Mrs. L. So it begins with L. L for Lima. All right. Question four. We've got what type of spider is on the loose in the centre? So John said this once today. What type of spider is on the loose in the centre? And last but not least, who does Gordon Britters have to suck the poison out of? So who does Gordon Britters have to suck the poison out of? And that's your five questions. How do you think you've done, John? Eight, Quite uh, hard four, this week. four out of five, I'd say. Oh, interesting. Well done. Well, Thank let's you. see. Let's get the answers then. So which member of, sta of the staff's body is used for Samantha. the... Samantha. <laughs> now, have we seen her before, this woman? Or was she like an extra? I don't think so. I don't, I don't recognise her. So. Yeah. I suppose another thing is, as well, Britters can get away with being quite mean to her because it's not a character that we love or we've got used to. Because I think yeah. if he was if he was that cruel to somebody else, saying Julie's got flabby thighs or whatever, I don't think it would have worked. I think that's why they chose a character that's more like an extra. Because yeah, it makes sense. And they had quite a, quite they had loads of extras in series one, didn't they? I remember some episodes they had like 20, 30 different people. So it is interesting how they get these extra characters characters into kind of add out the staff to make it more realistic. Question two: What is the name of Ben's bear? Is it Boogie Bear? Oh, so close. Bungie Bear. Bungie Bear. All oh, right. Bungie Bear. Very close, yeah. Who normally takes the antenatal classes? I totally blanked on this one. Completely blanked. Um, it's a Mrs. Lucas. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. What type of spider is on the loose in the centre? Oh, it is a uh, South American tarantula. Bang on. Yep, South American tarantula. And then last but not least... Who has to have their poison sucked out? Colin. Yes. Oh, gonna have nightmares about that now. <laughs> and that's it. So tot up your out of five score listeners. I hope you've done well there with that quiz. And if you fancy telling us what you got, britishempirepod at gmail.com. How did you do, John, with that? Three out of five. That's good, yeah. Good going, because I, I chose some evil questions there. So next week's episode is called Laura is, Le Laura is Leaving. So while Gritters prepares to welcome Sebastian Coe, famous politician and former track and field athlete, uh, Laura is attending a job interview for a manager of a leisure centre in London, which upsets Helen, who doesn't know how she'll be able to cope without her. Colin is sent to adjust the heating pool um, and is leading to an electrocution. It's another manic episode as we... Fly open the doors of Whitby Newtown Leisure Centre once again next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>